When I'm getting to know these young men, I want them to understand that they can do anything in this world that they put their minds to, right? They put their heart and soul into it. It does, it's not easy. If it was easy, anybody would do it. But that's why we're in such a, a unique space where I get to give them many different opportunities. artistic director and alumni of Phoenix Boys Choir, Herbert Washington, along with one of his choir boys singing Ben Whitsett. Washington and Ben's mom, Andrea, join us today on Heart of the Arts to talk about the Phoenix Boys Choir's evolution and their 75th anniversary. I'm Melissa Green. Welcome to a new episode of Heart of the Arts. So congratulations on your 75th anniversary. You have a couple concerts coming up honoring the celebration. I wanted to first ask about the evolution of the ensemble and how the upcoming concert Harmonious Journeys, which is on March 25th and 26th, highlights the key musical moments of its biggest influences. Well, if you want to go all the way back to the beginning, Mm -hmm. 1947, uh, well, the boys started um, at uh, Mortuary and Sons, which was a, uh, they were basically a choir of the mortuary, and they were kicked out of the mortuary because the rivets on their pants were scratching the pews. And uh, so then we needed a home, and we were adopted by Orpheus Male Chorus, who uh, is much older than, than we, which we got to celebrate with them in our gala uh, this, this last weekend. Um, the Orpheus Male Chorus is about 120 members of, of males in the community. Fantastic uh, group. But they adopted the Phoenix Boys Choir um, and subsidized uh, our work because we had no uh, home at that moment. And uh, during that time... Um, uh, Dr. Harvey K. Smith then took over um, for the Phoenix Boys Choir and really elevated it to what what it is known to today, Um, really gave it its name. And for 10 years, we were not a a 501c3 um, for about 10 years after that. And finally, we became, you know, 501c3, so uh, a not-for-profit. But um, so Dr. Harvey K. Smith is very, extremely instrumental as we look at him as our very first, the founder and the conductor of the Phoenix Boys Choir. Mm-hmm. Throughout that evolution, then you would have uh, Garrick Stangelberger, for, uh, who came on around 2000 or so. And Garrick Stangelberger is from uh, the Vienna Boys Choir tradition, uh, was the conductor there. And he brought an incredible international prowess um, and brought that into the Phoenix Boys Choir world. And I am now the third director in those 72 years, 75 years. And um, I'm an also an alumnus of the choir as well. Yes. So it yeah. has come full circle for me. And we also have Andrea Whitset here today joining us to talk about the impact that this organization has had on her son, Ben. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So in relation to choir or choral music, what have been some of the biggest influences on you and your students? First of all, choir. We, when we talk about choir music, we, we talk about the healing power of music and the transformative power. And that's what it did for me. And being able to tour, I always talk about my first tour to Japan, Philippines, Hawaii when I was nine. Um, and Miss, Miss, Miss Whitsett's, Mrs. Whitsett's uh, son, Ben, who is now in his, is this second, third? I think this is his fourth year oh my in the goodness, choir. Now I'm old. Okay, I know we have that COVID gap that, that sort that's of true, that's true. <laughs> warped time uh, his fourth for year, us. which with me that was his first tour uh, last year to the to the uh, south, and uh, we're getting ready for our British Isles tour that's coming up. So when I first toured, um, coming from South Phoenix, it was a uh, a different cultural awareness that I you know I didn't know the world was as as big as it is. Uh, I didn't understand that I can um, one leave the hood, as I like to call it, in South Phoenix, and then go off and travel the world, um, seeing so many um, different people, meeting um, the foods that are different, all of these uh, wonderful um, nuances to the world that I didn't know uh, existed. But it also gave me just a trajectory, a positive trajectory, um, which got me off to college and got me off to doing things that um, I didn't know that that was even possible at my age. Um, so these are young professionals that we're working with daily um, and, and holding, up, holding them to very high excellence because they have a legacy to uphold as well. Andrea was explaining how they take that professionalism so seriously. Can you share a little bit about your son's journey and, Herbert, your views of the student's evolution? 
So when I think back, I mean, my son Ben has always had a love of music. Um, we actually initially started trying out piano lessons, and for some reason it didn't sort of click as the way I would have anticipated. And I give so much thanks to his piano teacher for seeing something in him that I hadn't seen that allowed her to point us toward the Phoenix Boys Choir. And when she said, you know, you should really take Ben to go and audition, I thought, well, but he can't sing. You know, like I think he was probably eight, nine at the time. He had no vocal experience. And so I was a little hesitant. I looked it up. Honestly, my son Ben at the time was dealing with a lot of sort of anxiety, kind of nervousness, high-stress kid, and I I wouldn't have been able to even get him to the boys' choir building if I had told him there was going to be an audition involved. But I enticed him to go. They had a Sing for Brotherhood Day, which is meant to be very open for people to come and, and be introduced to the choir and to sing along, and Ben was clearly impressed. And we really had to coax him into the audition. Um, And I'm so glad we did because, honestly, this is not an overstatement. It has activated his soul. I mean, the amount of confidence that he has found, this passion, this desire to compose and to perform, it just blows me away. And what I love about Ben and some of the boys that come in, first, they are very timid when they see us for the very first time. Right. Boys pretend to be shy. My boy, my who is also in the choir, he's nine and comes in with this very uh, shy demeanor. But the camaraderie that they build, the brotherhood that they build, um, that that's why they are there. You know, the music is wonderful. They love the idea of the challenge of of doing these 30 minute Latin works and uh, traveling the world and doing things that and performing with orchestras and and um, but what's what's very special, I, especially about Ben, is that he loves an eclectic style of music. And I didn't really realize that until learning more about him, because most a, lo- a lot of boys come in with that. Uh, I want to learn more classical pieces. I'm ready for that. But I have a background, and you know, I'm a I come from a Baptist background, and so I love gospel music. I love spirituals. I just love music, music in general. And so my world, my role is to come in and provide a very uh, eclectic and diverse style of music. And so we had this gospel, uh, this gospel festival, which included about 220 students from the valley. And Ben was just on cloud nine, learning all of this gospel music. And when you see this, this boy who just lights up whenever any music comes in front of him, but uh, I mean, what I Ben is truly a chorister's chorister. Like he <laughs> he uh, loves music, but um, what I see for him is that music feeds his soul, and just like Mrs. Whitsett was talking about, um, he lives for this moment. Uh, he lives for the moment that he can be on stage. He's a leader in rehearsals, um, and I and I love that. I love to see that that growth in these boys and how they develop um, the social and emotional learning as well. Um, so I, I think that um, he's thriving. He's been <laughs> doing you know, such great work since I first met him when he was like really quiet, and, and that is not the Ben of today. Uh, now I'm sure he is going off into school and being the strongest leader there. And so all of these worlds connect, right? Um, what we're asking them to do in choir, I'm asking them to do in school. I'm asking them to be respectful and to be ambassadors when they even travel. And uh, we're seeing that in not only Ben, but in many of the boys, of uh, the Phoenix Boys Choir, and having this, uh, just this very connection, this wonderful connection to, to diverse music and how that relates mm. to many different people. It exposes them to so many different genres of music. So mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking, Herbert, of an example when um, Ben was selected to perform Pani Sangelicus, which he was so excited about in a past concert. And we were in a church where he was going to be performing for the first time in his life with a pipe organ. And so we were there early and the pipe organist was warming up. And I remember, Herbert, you came over to me and you took a photo because Ben was up on the stage listening and staring. He was. He was enamored. He was in awe. And I told Herbert later, um, Ben likes to put on music when he's falling asleep at night and I'll sort of sneak in his room and turn it off. And he, uh, the rest of that week, maybe even month, I would go up and find him listening to pipe organ essentials, (laughs) right? Like, Mm. and I thought, 
it was incredible. Like just being, how else would he have had that exposure? Um, I mean, he even asked me, like, Mom, do you think I could get pipe organ lessons? Do you think if we win the lottery, we could like install one in our home? You know, I'm like, dream big. Um, but it's so fascinating, like as you spoke about leadership. And I think one of the things as a parent that I have found so impactful about the Phoenix Boys Choir is it is a place where I know he's not only learning music. Mm-hmm. and the art of performance and the professionalism that comes with that. But he is learning moral character. He is learning how to conduct himself and grow up to be a young man with integrity and with leadership skills. And as I mentioned, you know, early on he was timid, he was shy, he was un- unsure. And there was a time uh, before a recent performance where Uh, Herbert had asked the boys to go back into the sort of green room and work in particular on Yezu Joy. Mm -hmm. And I watched as one of the boys in the choir when they were trying to decide collectively, like, who should help us rehearse this? And they sort of nominated Ben. And I, you know, he wouldn't have nominated himself. But he got up in the front of the room and was essentially conducting, right, And, and leading go to measure such and such. And And I was floored as a parent thinking, this is such an organic, you know, outgrowth of all the preparation and all the work and the the leadership that Herbert has modeled for them. And now they are acting that out. And you walked by and you said, this is where it begins, right? Like that joy of of what it feels like to conduct a group. And I'm like... Mm -hmm. I just I can't say enough good things about Phoenix Boys Choir because it has made such a difference in our lives. Well, I'm constantly preaching to the boys that they are extremely valuable and they are not just a number in the in the room, no matter how many there are, right? It's important for me to understand who they are as people, who who they are outside of the rehearsal as well, so they understand that I'm a coach and that I uh, am a Uh, their biggest advocate um, in school and outside of that. But they are major contributors to that space, into the boys' choir space. And when we talk about moments of leadership, what I'm seeing is confidence and greater appreciation for the arts. I'm asking the boys often to get into the mindset of a conductor, to go to, to stand up in front and lead your peers because you will be asked to lead a group of people in a positive manner somewhere in your lifetime. I often ask like Ben or Ryan or one of those boys to get up in front and feel what it's like to do this hard work as the conductor of the Phoenix Boys Choir. And after they, they wave their hands around and they get everything going, they go afterwards, Mr. Washington, I didn't realize how hard that is. That is, you know, but I love that because we can now appreciate each other and have greater value for the work that we do as artists in this community, right, or in our lifetimes. So I'm constantly just watching the the beauty and the growth and the confidence on these young boys and and especially uh, a boy like Ben, who is unlocking many different skills. Uh, The latest skill was creating musicals and composing. And so we had a composer, uh, a very um, well-known composer, very famous, uh, Jim Papoulis from New York, come in and write a piece with the boys, meaning that he's prompting them, but they are giving the text, they're providing the text, and they're providing the music of that, all uh, in a session, a workshop composition section session. And the boys love that moment. Um, this piece is called Unity, which will be premiered in our Pops concert uh, this season. Okay. And uh, so this comes directly from the boys. And I was uh, blown away just by watching them, watching the um, intentionality behind the mm-hmm. text, the message that they wanted to share. Sometimes I'm, I'm worried about what a boy is going to say, because you never know what a boy is just going to bring to the table. But our boys seem to have a deep understanding of life and want to dive into those, those deeper messages that really are going to impact the audience and impact each other. So this particular uh, piece was about the hardships and challenges and adversities that boys face 
and then how we as a collective, as the Phoenix Boys Choir, come together and provide that one voice and that unified, unified voice together. And I thought that was extremely powerful and impactful um, when the audience hears that and understands that that came from the boys, that these are the next generation of gentlemen, the evolution of the Phoenix Boys Choir and evolution of men in the community that are gonna go out into the world and do incredible things. Right. This is what makes me happy. And this is what I hope my legacy to be when I, you know, when I my 25 years are up or so that um, I can look back and go, you know, we've just created incredibly impactful young men that are going to go off and do these wonderful things. So that's a little bit about, you know, hmm. what's happening behind the scenes that <laughs> yeah. no one gets to see, right? Well, and yeah, it's the most fascinating part of it and the most inspiring. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, can uh, I react to one thing you said, oh, which of is course. I love that that experience you were talking about gave the boys hands-on experience with what the artistic process looks like mm-hmm. and the hard work that's involved and the steps and it was it was very impactful to Ben in that he then wanted to go home and compose. And I think he started to think of himself as someone who had not just voice meaning the ability to sing, but voice meaning a message, something that he could convey. Mm-hmm. And that was incredibly cool to watch that unfold. He decided to write a musical about Julius Caesar, which has been just so much fun to listen to. And the other thing that I think is important that Herbert has taught them, I've heard you say this to them, which is listen louder than you sing. And I think that is so critical. Like when you think about how a lot of boys, a lot of men in our society seem to be struggling and struggling to find meaningful, healthy social connection with one another, But when you are part of a choir or part of an ensemble and you have to synchronize and you have to listen and you have to figure out how to harmonize, how to make your voice connect to the others, that is an invaluable life skill that goes far beyond what they end up doing with music. You mentioned that these boys have a deep understanding of the text and that it may be the type of personalities that you attract to the choir. And considering the job that you have and how you have to know all parts of their personalities, you get to know their um, about their lives outside of the choir, even outside of school. Do you think that part of your background or upbringing and sometimes like the anxiety that's involved in someone's development helps them? First of all, the work you're doing helps them work through that. But do you think that some of those setbacks would end up serving you and your students into becoming more observant? That's a great question. So I, I will say this, that the exi- anxiety that the boys come in, sometimes even we're dealing with right now, especially out of the pandemic, right? I'm seeing, uh, um, and I think across the world, we're seeing a heavy uh, inflection of depression, anxiety, and this is, it really saddens me to, to see these boys go through this, so many these hardships, but I also dealt with the same thing, right, coming in. Find a, finding a place to belong was very difficult for me um, as a boy because I love to sing, but if it wasn't for my fourth grade music teacher, I would have never known anything about the Phoenix Boys Choir. And I was the troubled kid who, um, I come from a foster background. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a parents that dealt with substance abuse and um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of the things that I grew up on, I had to learn uh, through trial by fire. In the, in the most independent way. And so when the Phoenix Boys Choir, I, I often say this, that the Boys Choir saved my life because I was headed down a path that was not positive, mm-hmm. right? When you look at my background and from where I've come from. But the Phoenix Boys Choir, when I, when I started, I start to see positive role models, male role models, right? Mm-hmm. I start to see boys who were exhibiting empathy wanting to, uh, exhibiting that confidence, wanting to do great things in the world and go on large stages and and having that uh, opportunity. And then when I come in with any kind of uh, animosity or depression or anxiety, what I was having is, is the camaraderie where other boys would come up to me and ask questions, pertinent questions like, are you okay? 
Mm-hmm. Um, do you need anything? Do you want to come hang out? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, let's be friends outside of this. Let's, you know, and we're starting to see a lot of that. And that's what I'm trying to promote for these boys because the pandemic did us all a great disservice. So we see a, a, a lack of that social, that social emotional stability. Mm-hmm. And that is what the purpose of choir is to, to build that family centered environment, that positive, safe environment where a boy truly belongs. Mm-hmm. And um, and getting the boys to observe one another. We often do lift ups at the end of a rehearsal. For example, last night, a lift up is when I will start at the end of a rehearsal. I will have someone stand and I will um, verbally, outwardly share all of the great things that I observed of this young man in rehearsal. Right. Oh. And we will we will clap for that person and celebrate those great, great characteristics. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they are supposed to observe someone else and uh, share what they notice about someone else. Mm-hmm. And that that uh, uh, trickling effect provides a lot of pride and positivity, but makes them want to be to want to be there, but want to do great work in that rehearsal for one another, not just for themselves. This is the choir is not about that independent work anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. It is just like a sport. We have to do this work together, especially when we're tackling all of these challenging, difficult pieces. One person, if they're missing, we feel it. One person, if they are not contributing to the best of their ability, we hear it. We notice it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about attitudes and we talk about the camaraderie that we all need. We talk about the contributions that every person in this building needs to bring their A-game, their 110% effort. If if I came in with less than that, we would not be successful. But I'm asking them the same thing. Come in with that positive attitude, even though this is hard, challenging work. But the reward is great yeah. in the end. Well, and that culture, which is what he is speaking to, it doesn't happen by accident. You have created that culture. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Ben has said to me in these very words, he said, Mom, this is a place that I feel safe and I feel seen. And I think that that belonging is the absolute, it's the best thing you can give a kid who is struggling in any way they might be struggling is to have belonging, to have connection, to not feel isolated. And the very act of singing in unison is is the epitome of that type of connection. It is incredible. I mean, I am the happiest as a mom when I just hear Ben spontaneously break into song Mm -hmm. in the house. He's in the shower and you can hear him singing through the walls. And I think that tells me that he is in touch with something joyful in his Mm -hmm. soul in that moment. Um, And the fact that the choir also teaches excellence, right? I think it is so important for all kids to have something they can be deeply proud of. And the boys in PBC experience that because you have a culture of excellence. We are striving for excellence. We want our end product to be of the highest quality. Mm -hmm. And I don't think kids get that everywhere in life. There's something to it. It's kind of cheesy, but, you know, the voice being between the head and the heart. Here you're talking about how your son has had these spiritual uplifting moments. Does choral music serve this better than other instruments, in your opinion? You know what I'm trying to say. Well, I I will say this. Singing is a very vulnerable sport. I'm Mm -hmm. going to start off by saying that. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to step outside of your comfort zone, right, to, to express yourself vocally. Um, which also helps you in many other walks of life, right? Um, It's different from hiding behind a guitar or your violin, right? Even though you have to make noise with that. But Mm -hmm. this is something, a part of your physical being, right? Mm -hmm. And that uh, you only have one of. We cannot replace this instrument. And um, But there is uh, the, the beauty of choir is that, uh, one, it is a known fact that the heartbeats sink when you sing together mm. and that you must be as one unified voice in order to make music at this high caliber level, right? And the boys know the difference. They know the difference between, you know, uh, excellent work and subpar work. You know, we're often talking about that. We're often looking at great choirs like Phoenix Chorale and other choirs in the Valley that are doing excellent work. And so I, I would say that it is a 
it's a, a vulnerable place to be. But once you get past that vulnerability, you can now um, un- unearth incredible confidence within yourself, finding that self-worth, um, build, that leadership to build others up as well around you. Mm-hmm. I think that is um, that's a, a lifetime of of learning, and that is uh, something that is going to serve you extremely well in um, in someone's life. Well, and I think about what you said about vulnerability, and it really resonates with me because it's not something I learned until I was probably in my mid thirties, right? Which is, you've taught the boys that when you are vulnerable, you are inviting people to connect with you. And so, a perfect example that comes to mind when I was listening to you speak, Herbert, is Ben started uh, junior high. He's in seventh grade this year, and I had all this like mom anxiety leading up to it. Like this is a huge transition point. We all have some maybe negative memories of our own experiences socially in junior high, and I thought, how is he going to handle this? Well, I found out that during the first week of school, his writing teacher had asked them to write sort of autobiographical poems, and he had included in his poem his deep passion for music. And so his teacher had apparently put him sort of on the spot, new school, new group of kids, and said, oh, I see that you love music. Would you like to sing for us? And I'm thinking my own seventh grade self, I would have been mortified. I would have wanted to crawl under my desk and hide. Mm -hmm. And my son said... Yeah, so I stood up and sang in front of the entire (laughs) class on the spot. And I'm like, that's amazing. And he was able to do that because Herbert has taught him Mm -hmm. to have that level of trust and confidence that when you open yourself up and you put that out into the world, that you are going to invite that connection. Mm -hmm. And I truly credit that with Ben's ability to have navigated this new school environment to make friends. And it is why when I talk to other moms, I'm like the evangelist of the Phoenix Boys Choir, right? Because I'm like, that those are hard years for boys, especially oh, when yeah. you think about their voices oh, yes. are changing. I mean, mm-hmm. Ben was with Herbert last night until what? I think it was nine o'clock post-rehearsal doing some of this coaching around how do I sing through my voice change, right? How do I maintain my confidence when my voice might crack? And that's priceless to me that he's getting that level of support through a transitional period in his life. And Herbert, you have a nine-year-old. Do these boys notice a difference in their development since you're giving them these important life tools and lessons that they don't always or necessarily receive at school? Do they have any interesting observations about the world around them in addition to what Andrea already spoke about? My son, Yadian, who's in the now in the town choir, started with me, you know, four years ago when I started. Um, he has this great sense of pride about being in the Phoenix Boys Choir. Um, he tells all of his friends about it, mm-hmm. and he invites them to every concert, and they come out. And I think that's what he was missing—that sense of, uh, you know, what do I do well, and. Um, and and uh, wanting to be on stage so that people can also share in that moment with him. So his teachers will come, and, of course, they will just uh, praise him for the great work that he did on stage. But his friends will also come, and I think that's where it's more even more impactful to see his peers mm. just go, wow, that was a great concert. I would Maybe I should be thinking about joining the Phoenix Boys Choir. Or um, he's often asked, just like Ben, often asked, can you sing, you know, this solo in school? Aww. He's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Before, there was no possible way that he would stand up in front of people mm-hmm. and, and even, even consider that, that thought. But now he's often being the one that's asked to, that, to do those things. And, I, you know, I remember being asked to do those things. And I was different because I just loved to be on stage even as, as a young child. I just didn't have the Phoenix Boys Choir uh, until a little bit later in my, my life. But... Um, but I think for the boys, the feedback that they are receiving is that one, when you look at, you know, them being a part of a 75 year history, that comes with great pride and great confidence. And they want to share that with the world. And not only the boys, but of course, the families want to let people know about about that great work. And so I think that uh, what we're seeing is that these boys are joyous 
they really want to be here because it is a commitment, Melissa, to be part of yeah. the Phoenix Boys Choir. I think the families would surely tell you. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as I'm my son's chauffeur, basically, uh, <laughs> wherever he needs to be, um, that, you know, they meet two to three times a week. This week is almost four times a week. <laughs> and as we get ready for our classics concert, but it's not pulling teeth, maybe when they're ready to get going. But when they're there, it's it's just like we're ready to give our, our, our all to this process and to be with each other and to build that camaraderie. Um, last night when I was working with Ben and we were talking about changing voices, what I want the boys to also understand is that um, your voice isn't broken. You are not broken. Mm-hmm. All uh, all of us males will go through this transitional period in life where we sound like a high-pitched soprano. The next day, it's a, the next morning, it's a tenor. You're like, what just happened? And the, the, the purpose of, of spending that kind of time is helping them understand that we are going to give you our, and work on your new voice, right? We're going to build that up. We're going to figure out where you can now be a major contributor as you once were when you were a young boy. Um, and so that's sort of the, some of the things that are happening. Um, but I just think they have a great sense of pride of being a part of the Phoenix Boys Choir, and they're showcasing that, and they're hearing that from those around them. Well, and when they get the opportunity to travel and, and go on these tours, I think they rise to the occasion of understanding themselves to be ambassadors mm-hmm. for the Phoenix Boys Choir, but also for Arizona, right? Mm-hmm. And that they are representing our state and they are showcasing their hard work. And the life skills, when I think about how that translates into their futures, whatever career they end up in, right? Being able to um, carry yourself with that certain level of self-respect, respect for others, being able to understand that your actions affect each other and the organization that you're representing. I mean, I I feel like everything Ben has been learning through the choir is going to prepare him so beautifully to be a successful, thriving adult in whatever profession he ends up in. Like you said, people go through life without ever really knowing their true voice. So that's such a gift to receive that at their age. And you have a summer trip coming up. You're headed to the UK. Is that correct? Yeah, we are headed to the British Isles. Um, You know, I've been looking at the the list of tours that we've had over the 75 years and thinking about where haven't we been or where can we return to? Mm -hmm. And it has been on my heart to, to go to Scotland, go to Ireland, dip into England just a little bit. And uh, we are excited to head that direction as we went on tour, a domestic tour last uh, last season. And uh, this in- season on this international tour, the boys are going to see um, incredible places. They're going to Wales and they're going to be in Edinburgh and and to and to see the architecture because it's it's not just the the music that they're going to be performing, of course, of of British uh, historic uh, background, but um, to see these incredible landmarks that will live in their brains forever, in their hearts. And the tours are really meant to not only make them culturally aware, but to see places, because we're only there for about two weeks or so, right? And when we go to those places, it's a place where you get to learn about the culture really quickly mm-hmm. and um, get exposed to um, new, new places, new landmarks, new cathedrals, new spaces. But then as an adult, I know where I want to travel back to and spend a significant amount of time and not be afraid to travel, not be afraid to go to, uh, to stay in a hotel or, yeah. you know, right, to do those things. And these are um, – all of these things that we're talking about are extremely um, wonderful byproducts of this pursuit of excellence through music. And um, so we are thrilled to um, spend our time with each other on a bus for... <laughs> God bless for... <laughs> the chaperones because it is a, it is a serious task. But... It is so fun because the boys really get to know each other. That's when the bonding happens, right? That's yeah. when um, you find 
your um, your your friend friend partner for life. Where you know I still talk to my friends from Phoenix Boys Choir to this day. We still call each other. We still hang out, mm-hmm. right? From when we were boys, and that's because of these tours that just makes us so much closer. When you have to be in a hotel with a boy and, <laughs> on the and, bus, and on the bus for hours and you're sharing all of these wonderful stories about your own personal life with each other, um, you just have a greater appreciation for those you are sh- mm-hmm. going through this life trek with. Well, and one thing I think really struck Ben about the experience, which definitely there was a lot of bonding involved, but I think it struck him how different music can feel based on the space in which you're performing it. And so an example of that would be, and Herbert, maybe you remember what the name of the song was, but Ben told me after the trip they did to the South last summer that he was so moved by performing a song in the Civil Rights Institute in Birmingham, Alabama, and that I think he said somebody who heard you singing in that space was like... Was in tears. In tears. But, you know, singing in the Civil Rights Institute and being connected to the history and connecting the music to that history made it so real for him. That was an extremely impactful moment. We were in the civil rights uh, lobby, and we were singing Inscription of Hope. And uh, f- before we talk, was seeing anything, we were always talking about the text and how that relates to ourselves, right? But that was extremely powerful for all of us because we were just about to go in and see the devastation that black people have endured in the South, in America. And before we did that, we wanted to take a time to just find our own peace, our own solace, and get our minds and hearts prepared for what we're about to endure and exhibit here. And we sang Inscription of Hope, and there were two tourists that were just passing through, and they stopped because the halls were reverberant, and they just listened to the boys sing these texts, and they came up with tears and just said, thank you. That was the most beautiful thing we've ever heard, right? And I appreciate you saying that that every piece changes with the space that we are in. That is extremely true. Um, And the boys will feel that as we sing some of the pieces that are that are connected to the British Isles, they will feel that weight, the weight of, you know, a weight of, of that particular piece uh, in those spaces. And talking about these meaningful pieces, you have new music coming up on your programs this spring, a world premiere of a piece titled Jubilate from an Italian composer. How do you choose these pieces and how do you decide which ones make the program, especially brand new pieces? Let me give you just, just a little bit of uh, background information on these premier works. Yes. So um, Sheridan Chambers, Amy Oakes, um, had, and, and I had this wonderful idea of trying to have more works that are, that are for boys. Um, okay. As as um, the world is uh, the world in choir is starting to become more mixed culture in terms of children's choirs and um, you know this idea of Phoenix of boys choirs not only Phoenix boys choir but boys choirs around the nation are depleting they're starting to slowly go away and be more f- mixed but I think there's a great opportunity and uniqueness and a need for boys to have their own space and to to focus on being gentlemen and lights of the world so with that. We wanted to take that initiative to go out and find music that would be conducive to these boys, specifically for the Phoenix Boys Choir. So what we did is we um, have this choral composition. It's called the Phoenix Boys Choir New Works Rising Choral Composition Competition. Mm -hmm. And we received 94 submissions from around the world. And we had eight panelists, uh, world-renowned composers, conductors from around the world to be the panelists. And we dwindled that down to 20 for the panelists, and then the panelists would dwindle that down to three. And so we had three winners, um, the first winner being Jeffrey Cobb from Michigan, the second winner being one of our very own Phoenix, uh, Phoenix members, community members, Ryan Gunderson. Okay. And the third is from Italy, Giorgio Susanna. And Giorgio wrote Jubilate uh, Be Joyful. And it's about a five-minute work that uh, is extremely challenging, and we're going to premiere it on our Classics concert. But outside of that, there were about eight other um, works that were not chosen, but we were they were highly regarded and respected, and we wanted to premiere those 
those too. So at our gala, we brought in Dale Sakamoto from California, and we premiered a piece called Ron Rain, uh, a Japanese uh, folk tune. And he was blown away by the work that the boys did. And not only the boys, but we also have, uh, we go all the way through, you know, 75 years. So we have an adult men's choir and a junior high, high school choir as well. And so We've now had this opportunity this season to premiere about six to eight pieces, including one that they created themselves with the work, the, com- uh, the composition workshop. So this is extremely special season for the boys, and we will continue to do this in the future so that the boys have some uh, that not only that sense of belonging, but that that personal sense of just pride that this is for us. We either created this or this was created for us. Mm-hmm. And so um, the piece, Yubilate Be Joyful, is an acapella piece, an SATB work, meaning soprano, alto, tenor, bass, which will include the totality of our top three ensembles, our touring advanced youth ensemble and our junior high, high school and our adult men's choir. And we'll premiere that work on our classics concert on the 25th and 26th of March. Wow. And that's, you know, probably just another huge part of the inspiration for young boys to start composing their own own music as well. Oh, absolutely. And and I don't think it ever occurred to me when he started in the choir that that Ben would ever compose anything, right? And mm-hmm. so this it shows you how when you provide your child sort of exposure to all of these different dimensions of what music can be in people's lives that you don't know where it's going to lead, right? And that's yeah. sort of the fun and the beauty of it is I have no idea how music will ultimately manifest itself in Ben's life, but I am I'm like along for the ride. <laughs> Exactly. And I'm sure many parents feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also to expose the boys not to the business of music and the different styles of artistry. It's not just being a conductor or a choral musician, but you could also be in composition. You could also be in the industry and do PR work or marketing or other things. So um, you could write hip-hop music for if you wanted to, right? You could do many different things. Mm -hmm. But the foundation is what we're teaching, um, how to read music, how to really make smart choices to not be led, but to be an independent thinker in music, Mm -hmm. right? To not just Mm -hmm. follow what someone is, someone's direction, but to really make your own decisions because you are well-versed in music education, Mm-hmm. at a young age. Mm-hmm. And if you decide to pursue that in the future, that's great. But if you but what you'll learn is that you'll get all of the leadership qualities and all the byproduct through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, we have many doctors and lawyers and you know those that have pursued many other professions. But what they all come back and say is that what I've learned that helped me get here is how to be confident, how to um, have to, to uh, conduct an interview, to, you know, to talk to people, to stand up in front, to lead a large group of people. Um, so all of these wonderful things that they are learning through the Phoenix Boys Choir and through everyday rehearsal, that grind, <laughs> that un- understanding of being prompt, being mm-hmm. here, right, um, being a contributor, um, being excellent and what that looks like because we are holding their feet to the fire every single day. They even taught them how to tie a tie. How to tie I, a so tie. So for the gala, yeah, yeah. I have to tell you, uh, that was the first time that Ben came downstairs and his tie had been completely untied and he tied it all the way by himself. And I was like... That was my very first skill with the Phoenix Boys Choir is like learning how to tie a tie. I think that you have taught Ben what it means to receive mentorship and coaching, right? Which there's a skill in being the mentor and the coach. Mm-hmm. There's also a skill in how to receive that because one of the things that I really like about you, Herbert, is that you you push Ben, but in a way that doesn't trigger the stress and anxiety. It's you want to hold him accountable to his potential mm-hmm. and you don't go easy on him, right? I feel like you know how to calibrate the level of critical feedback you give when you're working one-on-one with him to write what he is ready to receive and handle. And that is why he respects you so much, mm-hmm. right? Because he knows that you're not going to settle for good enough. You really want him to be the best he can be in that moment. And that is part of where he derives confidence because when you push him, 
He knows it's because you believe he's capable. Exactly. And I think too often in school and other places, people sort of settle for less. Mm -hmm. And that sends a negative subliminal message to kids that they're not capable of more. And so Mm -hmm. I've always been mindful as a parent, knowing that Ben's a little sort of more prone to anxiety or stress of not wanting to push him too far. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also want him to have people like Herbert in his life who say, you can do this. I believe in you. And that becomes the source of confidence. Yeah, confidence is everything. When I'm getting to know these young men, I want them to understand that they can do anything in this world that they put their minds to, right? They put their heart and soul into it. It does. It's not easy. If it was easy, anybody would do it. But that's why we're in such a a unique space where I get to give them many different opportunities. You also have another big concert coming up in May, continuing your celebration of 75 years. But I also understand this now that the choirs go into adulthood with the Phoenix Boys Choir. Before we wrap up, talk a little bit about the age ranges and, again, like the process of entering the choir. Yeah, so the age range, um, we start at seven years old, and that's our cadet choir, but we go through um, adult men's choirs. So really, okay. the Phoenix Boys Choir is a place where a boy could sing for a lifetime. Okay. There's there's great beauty about that because um, for many choirs, um, boys will go through this vocal transition, mm-hmm. and then where do I go? What's next for me? Yeah. But here... The boys grow up together. Okay. This is the one of the, uh, I think since I began, this is the first time where the boys can start as a cadet boy and just stay with each other all the way through to their adults. To adulthood. To adulthood. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And, and that is uh, that is beautiful to see. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited for the next five years or so to see how that manifests itself yeah. uh, in the choir and those boys staying together and working together. Um and also, um, I wanted to just talk about the accessibility. The focus is on accessibility for any boy in the in, in Arizona who wants to sing. Um, I dealt with financial hardships as a boy growing up, and if it wasn't for, um, I like to call them angels, like my mother, Judy Van Boning, who was my adoptive mother, and she was the nurse of the Phoenix Boys Choir. She was the one who got me to every rehearsal, every concert, you know, mm-hmm. Dr. Lincoln Smith, who would pick me up and get me to uh, all these different things, events. And so I want to have people support that in the community, donors and 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 finding that those finances for those boys who really want to be here but just don't have the means to do so, either transportation or financially. And we need to open our doors to anyone and to then go out into the community and find uh, those who look like me as an African-American boy or who, who identify as Latino or any culture, that this is a place where I belong and there are representative, representatives uh, that, that for my culture uh, in that choir. And so we need to be a great representative of our community in the Phoenix Boys Choir, and we are starting to just truly build that. This is a, uh, if you look at the choir now, it looks extremely diverse right now, right? Mm -hmm. Not only is the conductor African-American, which that's new, but to when you look around the choir and going, oh, the music is diverse, there's more uh, boys who, who are diverse, and uh, that is beautiful. And the boys get it, and they see that, and they're proud of it, and they will articulate it. And they I mean, will they will that. say, that is... like, I love that this is a choir that values diversity, that it's inclusive. You make such a point of when we host Sing for Brotherhood Days and mm-hmm. new boys from the community come and meet us for the first time. You have taught the boys in the choir to go up to them, to introduce themselves, to shake their hand, to be welcoming, right? And I mean, again, it comes back to how important culture is within any organization. But all of the things you just said about diversity for the choir, the boys are so aware of that. And it is a real point of pride. Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Could yeah. always use more of it. <laughs> again, I, and I love our, uh, Andrew was talking about our sing for brotherhood. And that was something that uh, I created when I came in where the boys uh, and the the totality of the organization comes together and they sing together, 
They bond together. They eat together. Our families come in and cater. Uh, they have a theme of, of the month, and they, you know, they cater the food that is uh, connected to that particular theme. For example, we had Chinese New Year, so we have families coming together and providing a Chinese feast for the boys. And that's important because they will go out into the world, and they'll travel, and they need to be ready to experiment and taste <laughs> new foods, mm-hmm. and and be but be able to sit down at a table and have appropriate conversations, right? To understand what's the salad fork versus what's the you know uh, this the uh, and all of that uh, etiquette, that dining etiquette that the boys will need to learn in their lifetime. And I'm so thankful that they're learning it now at a young age versus yeah. going out into the world and being embarrassed that they didn't have that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sing for Brotherhood is, a, is an incredible opportunity for any new family to come in and see the, the, the great work that's happening um, behind the scenes, yeah. especially. Um, so we start at seven. We go through forever. Okay. And wow. um, and the audition, we don't like to call it audition because it truly is a no stress moment. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> a, a it's a, these are actual vo- voice lessons. Yeah. And so the boys will come in, a new family will come in, and they are allowed to sit in on the, they can, a family could sit in and watch their boy go through this voice lesson and whatnot. But what I'm listening for, um, what I'm first watching for is when I meet a boy, what's their poise like? Are they able to look me in my eye and shake my hand and have a conversation? Are they able to answer questions? What's their reading ability right now at this level? And that all these things are okay because we're going to teach a lot of these things, right? Yeah. But then can they match pitch? Can they uh, access their head voice? All of these things. And so many families around the community feel that their their son needs to come in with this prowess, this already that, you know, they need to see that they're singing all the time and they love, love singing. No, I think they need to just come in and have just a little bit of interest Mm -hmm. in singing when they get around the boys. That's what that's what will fuel the passion. That when they start learning so much about music and, and diving into the music education and being on stage in front of thousands, that's when all of that passion will start to flourish and develop. Yeah. But I just want them to come in because they have an interest, and I want to just take that and develop that and run with that. Well, congratulations on 75 years here in the community and making such a profound impact on these young men and families. Thank you, Herbert Washington and Andrea Whitsett, for being with us on Heart of the Arts today. Well, thank you for having us both here. Yes, thank you so much. That's the artistic director, Herbert Washington, with Andrea Whitsett and her son, Ben, singing the spiritual Sweet Little Jesus Boy. You can find more information and tickets for the Phoenix Boys Choir's 75th anniversary concerts at boyschoir.org. For KBOX Heart of the Arts, I'm Melissa Green. Mm-hmm.